The wind blows cooler than it did a month ago, and a month from now, the breeze will be even colder. Where will the rushing air take us? That is perhaps beyond the scope of each individual episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement, but taken together, the goal of this endeavor is to help locate all of the pieces of the metaphorical puzzle that is municipal and regional government, as well as the people within it. It's October 26th, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, the latest campaign finance reports are out a week before Election Day. Area planning and housing directors provide updates on projects throughout the region. Charlottesville is seeking a firm to help with financial advice related to long-term debt, and Piedmont Virginia Community College is extending a tuition assistance program. Let's begin today with two Patreon-fueled shout-outs. One person wants you to know. We keep each other safe, get vaccinated, wear a mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. And in another one, one brand new Patreon supporter wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist, whether it be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Sebo Weekly, NBC29, or CBS19, or something else I haven't mentioned. The community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today. We'll begin today with a quick update from three newsletters ago. On Saturday's program, I wrote about the suspicious package that was found Friday night by the federal courthouse in Charlottesville. The Virginia State Police bomb squad was called, and the item was deemed to be no threat to public safety. Over the weekend, City Communications Director Brian Wheeler confirmed to the Daily Progress that the suspected threat was a personal item. Jury selection began yesterday in the Signs versus Kessler trial, as well as the defeat of a motion from defendant Christopher Cantwell to sever himself from the case. Cantwell is representing himself in a civil rights suit, which seeks damages and an injunction on further events such as the Unite the Right rally that took place on August 12, 2017. For day one coverage, check out Tyler Hamill's article in today's Daily Progress and follow him on Twitter to keep up to date. Election Day is one week away, and the latest campaign finance reports have been submitted to the Virginia Department of Elections. In the Charlottesville City Council race, Democrat Brian Pinkston began October with 14400 in the bank and raised only $25 in contributions. He loaned himself $1,815 and spent $1,816 in the period, leaving a balance very similar to where he started. Pinkston has raised a total of $111,122 in the campaign. His ticket mate, Juan Diego Wade, began the month with $15,201 on hand and raised an additional $140. Wade spent $175, leaving a balance also similar to where he started. Wade has raised $81,375 this cycle. Independent Yaz Washington raised no money and spent no money and had a balance of zero on October 21st. Washington has raised and spent a total of $415 in the election cycle. None of the supervisor races in Albemarle County are contested this year, but there was campaign finance activity this month. Jack Jewett incumbent Diantha McKeel raised an additional $100, spent $6,473, and had a balance of $22,815 on October 21st. 
Rio District incumbent Ned Galloway raised no money and spent $3 on parking in downtown Charlottesville, according to his campaign finance report. Galloway began the 2021 campaign with $7,293 on hand and has raised $10,150 in total this year and had an ending balance of $14,086 on October 21st. Jim Andrews is the newcomer in the Samuel Miller District, and he raised no additional money in the first three weeks of October. He spent $2,503 and had a balance of $19,281 on October 21st. In total, Andrews has raised a total of $38,117 in the campaign cycle. There are two contested races for the five-seat Board of Supervisors in Nelson County. Democrat incumbent Ernie Reed faces a challenger in Republican Pam Bryce. Reed began October with a balance of $10,965 and raised an additional $275. He spent no money during the period. Bryce began October with a balance of $2,430, raised an additional $325, and spent $1,316 in the first three weeks of the 10th month. Bryce had an ending balance of $1,439. In Nelson's North District, incumbent independent Thomas D. Harvey has been in office since 1984 and is being challenged by Democrat Mary Cunningham. No online records of Harvey's campaign finance reports are available. He has filed an exemption from reporting requirements, according to Nelson County Registrar Jacqueline Britt. Cunningham began October with $1,450 on hand. She received $550 in contributions. Her campaign spent $420 and finished this reporting period with $1,580 on hand. Cunningham has raised a total of $7,132 this year. More from this cycle of campaign reports in the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Charlottesville has issued a routine request for proposals for a firm to provide advice with financial services related to the city's capital improvement program, as well as the issuance and administration of debt. The city's request details the city's existing $207 million in outstanding debt, which includes a total of $17.8 million in debt service for the current fiscal year. Charlottesville sells municipal bonds each spring for the capital improvement program, as well as the four utilities that are all separate accounts. This year, the city issued $20.8 million in bonds, $8.22 million of which is for new debt. The city has held a AAA bond rating from Standards & Poor's since 1964 and a AAA bond rating from Moody's since 1973. The request for proposals comes at a time when the city is anticipating sharp increases in capital spending to pay for $75 million in upgrades at Buford Middle School, as well as a $10 million a year commitment to affordable housing projects. In September, council signaled to budget staff that they no longer wish to pursue local funding for the West Main Streetscape, a multi-phase project that also included funding from the Virginia Department of Transportation. Council was told in September that the additional spending will require additional tax resources. Piedmont Virginia Community College announced this morning that a tuition assistance program will be extended into the spring semester. The PVCC for You 100% initiative covers 100% of tuition and fees for qualifying students. 
Here's a couple of sentences from the press release. During the current fall semester, the PVCC4U 100% program has made it possible for 431 students to receive $508,842 in additional funding to cover the full cost of their tuition and fees. For the full academic year, PVCC estimates $1.4 million in funding for over 700 students. To be eligible, participants must be a Virginia resident, go through the financial aid process, and have a household income of less than $100,000 a year. Alternatively, the student could have been laid off or furloughed due to COVID-19. The student must also enroll in at least six credit hours. To apply and for more information, there's a link in the newsletter at pvcc.edu. Finally, in our news roundup, a correction. In the last newsletter, I identified Albemarle Deputy County Executive Doug Walker under an incorrect title. To make up for that, why not an additional soundbite or two from Mr. Walker, in which he highlights an item from the recent report from the county's Facility and Environmental Services Department. And I wanted to draw your attention specifically tonight, today, to the Energy Management Program update. Uh, which includes a report on very real and meaningful savings the county has been able to realize in building operation through this program, which tracks and optimizes energy consumption in our buildings. Energy consumption at the Scottsville Community Center, the Crozet Library, and Northside Library has been reduced to 25% of fiscal year 2017's figures due to the program. At Crozet Library, the issue had been a missing sensor in the building. In Scottsville, there were relatively minor repairs needed and operational adjustments made. And at Northside, programming adjustments helped to realize those savings. Walker said in addition to saving money, these reductions will also help Albemarle meet its greenhouse gas reduction goals. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for doing so. Your support and everybody's support helps ensure I can continue to put this information out as often as I can. And in today's Substack-fueled shout-out, code for Charlottesville, is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. And now our long segment for this installment. The Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership was created by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District to serve as a regional clearinghouse for issues related to places to live. Last week, the partnership held the first in a series of fall and winter seminars on the topic, which held up to that spirit. Representatives from four localities gave their perspective, including Alex Ikafuna, the former city planning director, who is now the interim director of the new Office of Community Solutions. Local action alone is not going to be enough to address uh, the affordable housing crisis we have. So there is an outlook now that the regional cooperation, regional partnership, collaboration uh, 
is going to be a critical component of addressing the affordable housing. Jim Friedel is the planning director and zoning administrator for Greene County, and he said the partnership's assistance has been helpful. We're in the process of developing our, our refining our comprehensive plan and the public input, the support that we received, the networking received, and the data from the regional housing study are all invaluable as planning tools moving forward. Friedel referred to the Planning for Affordability report that was adopted by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission in August. The report has a chapter for each of the six localities in the planning district. As a region, we're tied together economically, which means people commuting back and forth from jobs, and also the, the housing issue is a regional issue um, because the affordability in Charlottesville impacts Fuvana and impacts Green and vice versa. Friedel said between 700 and 800 housing units will come online in Green within the next year. It's a mixture of market-rate apartments, uh, senior-restricted apartments, uh, independent living apartments, uh, townhomes, uh, so there's a lot more multifamily or middle uh, missing middle housing that Greene County hasn't had in the past. The partnership also provides the potential for dialogue between communities of shared interest, such as Albemarle and Charlottesville, which are increasingly more urbanized and dense. Stacy Pethia is Albemarle's housing policy manager. But those conversations have often been disconnected, and so this is a great way to bring everybody to the same table. Douglas Miles has been the director of community development in Fluvanna County since the summer of 2019. Fluvanna is also undergoing a comprehensive plan update to plan for places to live. We're, we're about 96, 97 percent single-family housing here, and we have projects that are coming on board now um, in a colonial circle with uh, 124 apartments, um, things like that. So we're entering kind of this um, new era for us, which is great for getting um, affordable workforce housing project type uh, requests. Colonial Circle is at the corner of Route 53 and Lake Monticello and also includes single-family homes. The apartments are being built by Pinnacle Construction and will be targeted at households making between 50% and 70% of the area median income. This proposed development will be very similar to um, Brookdale in Albemarle. So um, that's that's the model and that's the style of um the apartment units and the um, you know, clubhouse and pool and, and rec, rec areas. A performance agreement will be worked out with the Fluvanna Economic Development Authority, the developers, and the Fluvanna Board of Supervisors. Fluvanna and Louisa also share the Zion Crossroads growth area, and Miles said that area will become residentially dense as water and sewer service is connected. Ikafuna said Charlottesville is ground zero for affordable housing, and many projects are underway. We've got a, uh, a massive uh, redevelopment initiative by the Housing Authority, um, wholesale renovation of the Christian Halls, which is about 100 units plus. According to an October 21st update from CRHA Redevelopment Coordinator Brandon Collins, the waterline break from this past June has altered the production schedule. All residents will eventually be moved out of the building and to other housing covered through vouchers for the duration of construction. 
read the update for more information on public housing construction updates, which is being backed by millions in city taxpayer funds. The current five-year capital improvement program anticipates $13.5 million in funding for public housing. City taxpayers are also helping finance the Piedmont Housing Alliance's redevelopment of Friendship Court. That is a massive project, four phases. Uh, at Built Out, you'll be looking at uh, anywhere between 450 and 480 units. The current capital improvement program budget anticipates $15.9 million in taxpayer funds for all four phases over the next five years. Construction has not yet been scheduled for the first phase. Ikafuna said the draft comprehensive plan also seeks to increase residential density by allowing more units on individual lots. The extent of how many and where will be up to the rewrite of the zoning ordinance, as well as the development of an inclusionary zoning policy. We are expecting that it's going to be done early next year, and that will help to inform the rewrite of the zoning ordinance. The city council is expected to have their first reading of the comprehensive plan on November 15th. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Special thanks today to Jen Finazzo for providing her voice for the PBCC soundbite. Each one of these is an attempt to bring you as much information, hopefully contextualized in a way that you can see a lot of how the pieces fit together or don't fit together. My hope with all of this is to make sure that as many people as possible have access to the information that our decision makers have. And perhaps some of you in the future will be decision makers. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. And let me tell you, right now, the most important thing you can do is to send this on to somebody else. Please share this information either in the newsletter form or the podcast form. Obviously, you're listening to this in the podcast form. So send to the newsletter. Each one of us gets information and takes it in in a different way. And one of these days, I'm going to figure out a way to, to weave tapestries or something, if that helps get to people. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of the program. In the meantime, don't get blown away. Don't get blown away.